This is the future. This is not the past. The new XFL will kick off in 2020. If you smell what the XFL is cooking. It's still football, but it's professional football reimagined. This is our moment, our story to tell. This is history begun. This is the XFL! Welcome, football fans. This is the week of May the 13th, 2018. This is the road to 2020. And this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. And I'm Bryant. Hey, welcome back, Bryant. This week, Good. Thanks, man. we pay homage to the reigning, defending, undisputed XFL champions. This is episode 15. Time to get extreme. LA Extreme. Brian, welcome back to the show, man, and what an episode for you to return on. L.A. Extreme Time, man. Oh, man, it's a great time in my life. I think I was about 14 years old when this was all going down. Uh, started my adolescence, man. This was a great time. Yeah, today we are going to thoroughly, thoroughly uh, catalog and chronological order the championship season that was for the only XFL champions ever, the LA Extreme and uh, Bryant and yours truly, both were living in LA at the time and were LA Extreme fans. I attended the championship game. Bryant, how about you? I was there, man. I was there. I don't really remember the other game I went to. I know I was at the championship game and one other one at the LA Coliseum. But, man, I watched every single game, and today we're going to go through that whole year, talk about the L.A. Extreme, the the champions that were, uh, and to kind of give you newer listeners, uh, you know, who didn't watch the XFL but are interested in what's coming in 2020, a glimpse into what was going on then during the first initial run, kind of the atmosphere, the players, uh, the, the vibe that you had going to a game, watching your favorite team, rooting for a team, what it was like being an XFL fan. And uh, we'll we'll go into the whole shebang. But first things first on the X on this show on this is the XFL show, Brian. We always talk about what's going on lately with the XFL. So, what big news did you hear this week about the XFL? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, these episodes are getting shorter and shorter because we're not really getting too much to talk about <laughs> every week about the XFL. <laughs> well, last week we got the rumor at least that the XFL was thinking about Orlando. And we had plenty to talk about there. But this week, this week, not too much. Nothing from the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube channel of the XFL. But, of course, the chief rival in the other league that sprung up that has us all interested, the Alliance of American Football, Bryant, that I know you love so much. Uh, they <laughs> announced last week that Memphis is going to be a city. And now they have a coach. It's Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear, and then San Francisco 49er head coach. You know what? I'll give the uh, Alliance of American football its credit in terms of the star power that they're bringing off the field. 
because the star power on the field, let's just be real, is not going to be there because, you know, you're not going to have a Tommy Maddox, which we'll probably talk about a little bit. You're not going to have a Jose Cortez like we've talked about, and we're probably going to talk about a lot today. Uh, you're not going to have these star players on the field, so they're bringing it with the coaches, the GMs, uh, just anything that can put some sort of uh, credibility to this league they're coming with. Yeah, I think they're doing a good job, and there are going to be plenty of players left over for them. They're doing a good thing by – planning out their draft whenever the final cuts of the NFL are made and their season's going to be happening right after the Super Bowl ends. So the timing and the planning seems on point for the AAF. Uh, Some good quality coaches in the league now, three of them, three cities. And we're going to keep you updated on everything going on there because we do know the rumor is the conspiracy theory, I I should say, the AAF and XFL, one and the same. We still haven't been able to completely debunk that, Bryant, but – uh, I know there are many people who believe that might be the case. Where are you at lately on that on that conspiracy? I just wish they would have flipped it because I feel like if somebody came out and said the AAF is coming, and then all of a sudden the XFL is like we're coming in a year, like that would have been so much bigger. Like that's that's a Vince McMahon move right there. I feel like it's he's on the other side. That's why I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Vince McMahon would have been uh, the guy that keeps saying my dad. He would have been him. Charlie Ebersol. Charlie yes. Ebersol, yeah. It would Son been of Dick Ebersol. <laughs> well, if you if you guys and girls uh, believe in the conspiracy theory or not, let us know your opinion on that one and a whole lot more. Of course, you can always interact with us on all the social media stuff. We got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on lock, at XFL Show. And, of course, you can go straight to the website and interact as well. This is the XFLShow.com. The other little piece of news I have this week is related to our topic this week, Bryant. And that is Al Luganbill, who was the <laughs> head coach of the L.A. Extreme, has been named the director of player personnel by Herm Edwards in Arizona State. So that is a very topical for us this week. Luganbill is a, a champion everywhere. He's won Fiesta Bowls, XFL championships. But in the last 12 years, he's owned and operated a Fast Tech Enterprises company specializing in football player evaluation all the way from high school to the NFL. So he's basically been in the scouting business for 12 years. Yeah. He started his career up in Pasadena of all places, you know, famous for its Rose bowl, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, keeping himself relevant while staying out of the limelight. I mean, that's perfect. And now he's going to be, what is he, a special advisor to the players or something like that at He's a, he's a d- director of player personnel, so he's basically a, a GM for a college football team. Essentially, he is a, a talent evaluator, and man, was he able to evaluate the talent and put together one hell of a team for the LA Extreme. I mean, he, I mean, what a lot of people don't remember, Brian, is he had the first pick overall in the draft, and then he ended up not even starting him. He started Tommy Maddox instead over Scott Marinovich, who we've highlighted here on the show as an XFL legend. He was the first-ever draft pick, but Al Luganbill, a master in evaluating talent, played Tommy Maddox instead. You know, it's it just shows that a coach who has the, the, the goals to actually bench the first overall pick. I mean, how many coaches would do that? You know, to, to save face, they probably wouldn't have done that, but the, he goes with Tommy Maddox, ends up winning uh, the XFL championship. This man has a huge... Uh, credibility to him that uh, any move he makes, it seems like it's going to turn to gold. And with that, I think we've set it up nicely. You can't look to the future without knowing your past. And 
One of the most important pieces of the XFL's past is the LA Extreme, the champions of the one and only season ever, the original XFL. Brian, tell everyone about the Los Angeles Extreme a little bit. Oh, man, what is that? You kind of mentioned their biggest highlights, right? These are the only XFL uh, million dollar game winners, the uh, winningest team in XFL history. I believe they lost one game at home all season long. Uh, count, I think they they also have, and I was a little bit of trivia for you, they have the only player who won both, or I'm sorry, all three of the Great Cup, Super Bowl, and the XFL Championship. Holy uh, hell. It's, I'm yeah. trying to – who's this – is this um, – You're not going to be able to name them if you try, but I'll let you, you give it a try. I'm going to say – hmm – Hmm. Was it? Was it Tommy Maddox? Although he won a Super Bowl, he did. I don't know Didn't if he won a, a Grey Cup. Was it? Oh, I'm gonna go with one of my favorite players from the LA Extreme. Even though he ended up playing on a team I hated in the NFL, Brendan I <laughs> It's a great guess, yeah. uh, but no, it's 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 Lineman. a man called. Bobby Singh, uh, he won 1999, or I'm sorry, he went in the 1999 draft to the uh, Calgary Stampedes and won in, what year was this? I'm trying to see here. 2003, it looks like he won the Grey Cup. He also won the Super Bowl with the Rams. Bobby Singh. Wow, what a trivia question, huh? <laughs> a guard on the LA Extreme has he won a Grey Cup, a Super Bowl, and the million dollar game in the XFL. That's awesome. Where would that you rank the... all those three? I, I, I'd probably throw the XFL at the top to be one of the It's really, I mean, that's <laughs> the rarest. That, that Rams Super Bowl was like, whatever. I mean, what? They beat the Titans. Who cares? But this is the, this is the career part of the greatest team in XFL history. Uh, essentially, he's the one of the best linemen ever on the best team ever. So that's, a, that's high praise for Bobby Singh. Um, but what about some other players on that LA Extreme? Everybody remembers Tommy Maddox. Obviously, he went on to pretty darn good success with the Steelers. He was a playoff caliber quarterback. But what about the other guys on this roster that won a million dollars in one football game? Uh, well, we mentioned Jose Cortez, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He was a famous kicker, shoeless kicker in the XFL. I think they made him wear a shoe in the NFL. Uh, let's see who else we got. We mentioned Bobby Singh as the only winner of all three championships. Let's see here. Uh, David Ritchie played for the Broncos, won a Super Bowl 32 with them. So I think he might have actually played in the NFL before the XFL, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to get my chronologic order here mm-hmm. correct. Um, and Ron Carpenter. He also won a Super Bowl. So there was a, quite a few talents that came out of the uh, LA Extreme. Uh, what was your favorite pick? I mean, I'm sorry, favorite player. Well, besides Tommy Gunn, obviously. I mean, Solidin McCullough, the running back, uh, he was he was very solid. I believe he was top 10 in rushing in the XFL, although I don't know if that's really <laughs> exciting. He probably had like 300 yards. I don't know. Um, he did, actually. Uh, <laughs> Jermaine Copeland was was – Tommy Maddox's favorite receiver, I remember. Uh, he also had Darnell McDonald, and uh, Tommy Maddox was f- slinging it all over the place. But it was mainly our, the the two names I remember from back in the day: receivers, 
they weren't divas for some reason. You'd think there'd be some diva receivers, but they were just grinders, man. Jermaine Copeland of the LA Extreme, and then the Birmingham Bolts had a guy named Step Fret Williams, which was the, one of the coolest names ever for a receiver. Uh, he was really good, but uh, the LA Extreme, man, up and down, what a team, and I think the two names that stand out the most, though, Tommy Maddox, Jose Cortez. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, people, you say those names and they're going to mention the LA Extreme as part of those man's careers. And who knows if uh, Pittsburgh would have had a quarterback for the foreseeable future after Cordell went down. I think it was after Cordell went down, right? Uh, if Tommy Maddox didn't play in the XFL. Yeah, from Cordell to Tommy Maddox, he was that buffer all the way to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he belongs in some kind of Hall of Fame. I don't know what Hall of Fame you put him in. He's in my personal Hall of Fame, that's for damn sure. And I could talk a whole lot about Tommy Maddox right now, but I don't know. I think we should save him for like an entire episode somewhere down the line, the reigning defending XFL MVP. I, uh, I Just tell me when, because I will be there. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? Let's go through the season. Let's take everybody on a journey. It's 2001. The XFL season is actually happening. I remember watching week one saying – this is real. This is television I'm watching. Football being called by Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, Jim Ross. You've got Vince McMahon on the field. You've got Dick Butkus on a field. You've got all these wrestling icons. You've got the, the American Gladiators guys there, Mike Adamley. And then you see all these players you heard of when they were in college. Some of them were in the NFL. And wow, this is on NBC of all networks. And it's week one, February 4th, a Saturday. The LA Extreme taking on the team that would end up being their rival, their chief rival, the San Francisco Demons. And things didn't go so well for the LA Extreme. They lost this game 15-13 to on the road up in San Francisco. And you learned real quick, there was, there was a real home field advantage for San Francisco because... I mean, their their crowd was good. Their PA announcer, I remember getting on the microphone and talking trash to the LA Extreme. It felt like I was watching NFL Blitz. What do you remember from that game? Uh, I remember you talk about favoritism, and that's interesting you bring that up because I remember as a kid watching the last two minutes of the game because I believe the Extreme still had a chance to win that game. Or no, I'm sorry, the other way around. The, the Demons had the ball, and they were trying to score to beat the Extreme. And for whatever reason, the clock kept stopping. I kept watching it, and it kept stopping. I was like, why is this clock stopping? It was like giving them more time. Probably the biggest uh, home field advantage in history. Uh, and Candlestick itself, right? I think that's where they played. Was it Candlestick? Or... It was at pa- Pac Bell Park. That was at the new ballpark when it was freshly. No way. That's, they really played at Pac Bell? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> right when that beautiful bar, pa- ballpark was just about opened. I think that might have been oh, its geez. first year. Um, yeah, Tommy Maddox had a rough one. I mean, this was just a putrid game, though. The, the quarterback for the Demons, I remember, threw like 5,000 times and had like two yards. But they still won. <laughs> But the thing that stood out most to me was that PA announcer on the you know at Pac Bell calling Tommy Maddox like an idiot. It's a nice pass, idiot. Like, what is what? This is the XFL. Like it's like a beer league football game at that point. It was great. It was great. So week uh, one's down, and we're zero and one. Man, this is not looking good. We're going to be rooting for a team that's going to be losing every week. I'm thinking, uh, but hey, they're coming home next week. February 10th, let's take it. 
Uh, excuse me, that's, uh, that was a Sunday, February 4th, by the way. The LA Extreme got started the second day of the L- XFL. Saturday, February 10th, week two, home home opener against the Chicago Enforcers in what I would call the greatest game in XFL history, Brian. I don't think it's even – I don't even think that's even a, even a argument. I don't, can't even think of another game that would even come close. Uh, probably the greatest game – uh, never seen by people as well because of all the the, the problems they had with the uh, generators and uh, with Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. But yes, and yours truly, Bryant, was there in person. It was my first XFL game. I'll never forget it. I was pleading with my parents to please just let me go to this game. I think we ended up getting some last-minute tickets. Uh, we were pretty far up, but it was a ruckus crowd. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a man, uh, This guy right here became a man. And saw his first pair of um, <laughs> uh, in a crowd, which was interesting. So wait, you it was a lot you, of fun. Wait, are you saying there was there was like it was like Degeneration X was there? You were seeing crowd flashing. <laughs> it basically seemed like it. I mean, couldn't hold anything back. It was the one of the best times I've ever had at a, at a professional sporting event in my life. It was rowdy. Was- well, I, I I didn't go to this game against the Chicago Enforcers. It was a thirty nine to thirty two. Overtime victory, double overtime. Double I overtime. Yes. Double, double overtime. Famous quote that we use in this in this show all the time. Uh, if he's not going to make it, we got to go for it. Fourth and two. You know uh, what? I, I, he can't make it. Let's go kick it. I, I think that that is that that was one of the craziest crowds too. It was. I mean, that's the Coliseum. It holds a hundred thousand, but there was probably I don't know thirty something thousand there. All and well, most you know of what? them they were random. They crammed them within the, the, the 20s or even the 30s, yeah, so it every, felt a lot yeah, bigger they, than that. They jammed you all, when you go to the Coliseum, yeah, they jam you all in the same sections, and most of the people in the crowd were just chanting, Go Raiders! Or <laughs> I, I saw a lot of, there were SC fans there booing Tommy Maddox, even though he was playing for the LA team because he went to UCLA, <laughs> and it was unbelievable. Uh, is that the game where Jose Cortez wasn't wearing shoes and fell on his ass? <laughs> he might have. It was not a great game for Jose Cortez. He didn't have many of them, but that he, one was probably not the greatest he missed, game. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Jose Cortez missed. Oh, good Lord. He missed two un, under 35-yard field goals in that game. Uh, he, oh, wow. The, the, the Chicago Forces had the league's leading rusher running back John Avery, who was just a badass. Uh, he was one of the best players in the XFL that league. Or that year, um, but what what a crazy crazy game back and forth. Uh, let me give you some, the scoring rundown of how this thing went. Well, first of all, Tommy Maddox threw sixty five times in that game. <laughs> sixty five times. Chicago went up six zero early. L A tied at six six. Remember, you go for two, so uh, uh, no conversions here. Chicago goes up twelve six uh, on a forty six yard touchdown pass which was rare for them uh and then they went up another touchdown 18-6 and you know the the LA Extreme are in trouble but here comes Tommy Gunn which was basically his forte were were comebacks uh leading drives a a long long drive 70 yards for a one-yard touchdown run uh he goes in the fourth quarter unbelievable Tommy Maddox on fire and it ends up being Tommy Maddox throwing the game-tying touchdown in the fourth quarter. Nine plays, 49 yards, 
in a minute nine seconds to to Jermaine Copeland uh, and the LA Extreme tied it at twenty five. You go to overtime though, and it's still back and forth, back and forth. It ended up being the game winner. Tommy Maddox, Jermaine Copeland, twenty yards. LA Extreme, one and one, baby. Now that yeah. is some XFL football. It was a game. I remember. Uh, I think it was with my cousin at the time. I go, you know, they can't go down zero and two. Not with this schedule. Not with this. You know, it, it's a ten game schedule. You can go down zero and two in the NFL. You still got fourteen games to go. You go down zero and two in the XFL, and uh, you're in big trouble. And the, the Extreme pulled this one out. It was uh, a very. Gr- it was a great. Great game, great night. Uh, go back to that memory all the time. It's just like college football, man. You lose a regular season game, you're in very big trouble. So think about it. It's like as if a college football team lost their first game and then went and won the championship. When does that ever happen? Very rare. <laughs> now here's a dilemma. Nine seconds to go. You got fourth down. They're going to kick a field goal. He can't make it. Let's go kick it. If he can't make it, we got to go. Fourth and two. Two. Fourth and two, Tommy Gunn taking over. Now that's what it takes in the XFL. Week three, LA Extreme looking to go over 500 for the first time in franchise history, Bryant, at the Las Vegas Outlaws, a 12 to 9 victory. You know, it seems like a, an insignificant game in terms of score and, and, and excitement, but if you really go back and look at the tapes and read about it, could be uh, the, most important, important the most important game in. in in LA Extreme history, because after what we just heard there, Tommy Maddox questioning his kicker, uh, this this crazy high scoring game, thirty nine points in the XFL. That's like scoring, I'd say, like eighty points in the NFL. Yeah, and, that's about right. <laughs> and the next week after that embarrassing, embarrassing display, missing two short field goals, people telling Jose Cortez, who worked, uh, I believe, on houses. In Oregon, they're telling him, get get your tools and get out of here, Jose. We don't want you. The very next week, what happened, Brian? Three, what do you get? Four field goals. Four, four, four field, field goals. goals and, and, and led the extreme to victory. What happened? Uh, four field goals, one a quarter. Finally, at the very end, with time running down, he gets the game winner. Uh, gains the confidence of his coach, his quarterback, his team. Uh, you know, and 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 fast forward a little bit. The the extreme don't win a championship without uh, Jose Cortez. In this game, if it didn't happen, who knows what's what would have happened? Uh, but great showing by uh, Cortez. But you're right; they were telling the roofer to go back. But this guy made a 48 yard field goal to clinch the game. 48. I mean, and and to, to tell you what a what a season it was, and what a. A roller coaster ride it was. How fun of a season it was to watch, if you were an L.A. Extreme fan at least. The week before, Tommy Maddox looks like, damn, this guy should go to the NFL next week. And then the very next week, he's 16-30, 166 yards of pick, no touchdowns. He looked terrible. And they couldn't score against Vegas. And Jose Cortez, the GOAT from the week before, he's the only guy scoring. Tommy Maddox even lost a fumble in that game. Jose Cortez earned the respect of Tommy Maddox, the respect of his team. He kicked that 48-yard field goal, and damn it if he didn't become an XFL legend that day, Bryant. And you know what? I think that was such a monumental game. He deserves a little bit more love from us here on This is the XFL Show. What do you say? He's a legend, bro. Let's do it. 
Jose Cortez, you are an XFL legend. This is an XFL legend. Jose Cortez, uh, the man who scored over 300 points, I believe, in the NFL. Over 400 if you count the XFL. I mean, this legend, legend, has names his name is branded. I mean, you see XFL. He's he's up there with the greatest players of all time, uh, winning games, uh, learning, uh, his, carrying teams on his back. Jose Cortez, uh, Alan, what do you think, man? Jose Cortez, right? The shoeless kicker went on to play for the San Francisco 49ers. He he was the man, the special teams hero of the XFL. Uh, how did his NFL career go, though? Brian. He did. So, so I'm going here. The next year, 101 points in uh, 2001 with the, the 49ers. Then 103 points with uh, the Redskins in 2002. And then he sort of tapered off. Uh, I think they made him wear a shoe after that point. But if you remember, he came back and I think it was like 2005 with the Dallas Cowboys as a replacement kicker. I believe their kicker went out. And I think he finished the year with them, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember. That's a little... Ex- NFL memories are a little foggy in my brain uh but great i mean he, he had a solid career from roofing to kicking field goals come on that's legendary status and uh i mean a a real real journeyman who did it all nfl xfl arena league nfl europe and then and then in 2007 he joined the oregon state police force he's a super trooper jose cortez and one hell of a- imagine a one hell of a kick. Jose Cortez runs up behind you to stop you. Do you want to be on the other side of that boot? If you're a thief, uh, well, not if you're not if you're a, a lady, because he was actually thrown in jail uh, and accused of fondling a woman he stopped for a DUI once, and he received oh, a year probation. But hey, oh, he is an XFL legend, Jose Cortez, and uh, that was just an accusation. I don't think anything else uh, went further into it, but. Yeah, what what a figure! And here's a really good thing: uh, he went to L.A. Valley College. No way! <laughs> yeah, Jose Cortez, great friend of ours, went to Valley College. Yeah, from, uh, from San Vicente, uh, yeah. El Salvador, to L.A. Valley College, to All Pac-10 with Oregon State, to becoming a super fondling trooper in Oregon. Definitely, I mean, they could make a movie about him, but if they never do, at least he was highlighted here on this is an XFL legend. Back to the LA Extreme season number one, Bryant. We're in week three, and from the thrill of a close last second win to our first ever, and I believe only home loss ever. Sunday, February 25th, the Memphis Maniacs came to town and won 18-12. to Yeah, what later would turn out to be the one bugaboo of the LA Extreme was the Memphis Maniacs. Uh, it, was a, it was a hard game because you were on such a high because of these two great victories. And, you know, you felt like nothing could stop you. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of like the owner of the league, and I try to block out bad memories because I don't remember too much about this game. I just remember that uh, not feeling too good after they lost. 
Yeah, that's when they uh, played that crazy bastard, Jim Drunkenmiller, who came in as a, as a backup. And, uh, you know, he had a pretty solid game against Tommy Maddox, who just, and that one couldn't hit anything. And uh, back to two and two. And here we go, week five, the LA Extreme. This is where they really get humming, and they get it started. Saturday, March 3rd, all the way cross country against the New York, New Jersey Hitman, a 22-7 to victory. You go into the Big Apple, you face probably what, what everyone thought would be the face of this league in the New York, New Jersey Hitman, and you pummel them. I mean, 22-7, to was it even close? I think that seven happened at the, in garbage time, if I'm not mistaken. You tell me. Yeah, the uh, yeah the, the hitman scored in the second the second half of that game. It looks like, but all I, I don't remember much from that game except it was a, an ass kicking. Uh, Tommy Maddox fixed his game for sure. Uh, but the thing I remember though is they were really they were really talking about trying to get shit stirred up. <laughs> between the head coach of the Hitmen, I don't remember his name, and Governor Jesse the Body Ventura in the in the in the announcers yes. booth. <laughs> Ventura was saying, "This idiot, I don't know what he's doing." And then they're saying, "Hey, coach, what do you think about the body up there saying you're stupid?" And he said, "What? I, I'm coaching here. Leave me alone." <laughs> and that, of course, was the uh, the one and only Fred Rogan trying to stir stuff up there on the sidelines. Oh, man. Oh, good old Fred. Good friend of mine, too. Uh, Two touchdown passes from Tommy Maddox, three field goals from Jose Cortez. Again, the two backbones of this team uh, basically leading the way. Uh, It was an incredible, incredible uh, show. I mean, they're humming. Like you said, they're they're moving forward. They're ready. This is where they start hitting the gas pedal. It gets started Sunday, March. Fred Rogan, by the way, remind me, we got to get him on the show to ask him a few questions about his time in the XFL. And we are going to start having some great guests here, so everybody stay tuned for that. we got to get moving, though. It's March 11th. Real quick, an LA Extreme victory, 35-26 over the Birmingham Bolts. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the Birmingham Bolts ended up being the worst team in the XFL. I think they only won two games, so a little bit closer than you would like it to be at that time. Uh, I do remember some sad, sad thing happening, uh, not at this game, but towards the end of the season. They gave like a little graphic of the players, how much money they were making per team. And I think the Birmingham Bolts were at like 2,000, while everybody else was like at least 6,000 per game because you got paid for victories, obviously. It was pretty. Birmingham, so much pride. I believe they won their first game, too, and I don't think they won until like week eight or something like that. Yes, coached by Jerry DiNardo. This would go. This would be one of Saladin McCullough, the running back's great games for the Extreme, 124 yards. The next week, the uh, now in first place, the LA Extreme were back home. And th- I think this is a game I was at. Sunday, the 18th of March, 31-6 to over the Orlando Rage. A playoff team. You know, well, you know what? You look at this game and you're like 31 to 6 easy game for the extreme whatnot the orlando rage were undefeated going into, into this this this, this is i was this this is the game i was at because i remember this was there you know they were talking the two best teams in the league going at it right now first place teams yep, I, here it is i was at this game as well i was there with another one of my cousins we were watching uh what i expected to be a, a great game and it was a great game for the extreme not so much for the orlando rage uh but uh, I believe I even got kicked out of this game for throwing like an airplane, a paper airplane, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I did. That totally happened. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> that seems kind of tame uh, for an XFL game. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's I was kind of shocked when that happened, to be 100% honest. And I think they just escorted me out of my section and said, go wherever you want. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was huge going in. Orlando Rage, their first loss of the season mightily was to the LA Extreme, 31 to 6. Ah, uh, yeah, this was an absolute molly whopping by the Extreme and what was supposed to be the two best teams going at it. So now we really know who the bosses are, the XFL. So the next week, here we go, Saturday the 24th, at home again against the Las Vegas Outlaws, who you just squeaked by against in that legendary Jose Cortez kick. 35-26 victory for the Extreme. Tommy Maddox is looking unstoppable. I mean, the LA Extreme are looking unstoppable. I mean, they, they, nothing's getting in their way. They're just hammering through every single one of their opponents one by one. There is not a team in this league that they hadn't beat up to this point other than Memphis. Uh, and they were they were rolling. They were rolling mightily. That's what I was, was thinking. After, they shouldn't even play the games. After this game, I told, I remember thinking, like, okay, if they, uh, they're they going to beat whoever they have to face in those playoffs as long as it w- is, is not – Memphis and maybe San Francisco, but we would learn even sooner that really there's nobody even stacking up. Al Luganbill is pushing all the right buttons, and the the LA Extreme going to Week Nine two weeks before the playoffs, and they are on the road against Memphis. And, and this this game April Fools not going to be so easy. Twenty seven twelve loss on the road. This game brought them back down to earth, and I'm happy this game happened. Like I said, the Memphis Maniacs were their bugaboo. They couldn't figure them out. I totally remember this game too, Alan, because this was the infamous uh, Tommy don't wear your gloves for God's sake game. He put on gloves because it was raining, and the paint on the ball didn't work. They were slipping out of his hands. I believe even Jim Ross told them, don't do it, Tommy, and he did it. Uh, Memphis, they just couldn't get over Memphis. I don't know what about the Memphis. Maybe it was the name that they were scared of. Uh, Memphis, I think, ended up finishing four and six on the year, so it wasn't even like they were that great of a team. I'm sorry, five and five, it looks like. But uh, Memphis just couldn't do it. I don't know what happened. Could not beat the Memphis Maniacs. Tommy, take your gloves <laughs> off, damn it! For the love of God! Jim Drunkenmiller owned the LA Extreme, and yeah, real rough one. Uh, all you know, all the way through here. The uh, I'm trying to look at some of the stats here. And a real average game for Tommy Maddox. Um, you know, he, he threw three picks. That's never going to help you. So, okay, maybe some doubt for, for the LA Extreme. Uh, no, because what they do going into the playoffs is there's only one team that could beat us, and they're not even getting into the playoffs. 24 nothing, a shutout against the San Francisco Demons. This was also a uh, Western Division championship match, so to say. The winner of this game would have gone on to be the number one seed in the Western Division and would have avoided what, what, a, what you would want to avoid at the time was the Orlando Rage. I believe the Orlando Rage went in 9-1. and one. So the winner of this game got to play a game at home next week, the, the following week, and the loser had to fly all the way to Orlando. And huge implications. And what happened? Like you said, 24 nothing. Like, like, like San Francisco almost didn't even show up. And the real theme about Tommy Maddox throughout the season was he'd have a bad game, but he would come back and he'd kick ass, man. And in this one, after a, a bad game against Memphis, he he was throwing it all over the place. I mean, let's let's look at it. Yeah, he was. Yeah, look at that. A total three hundred yards. Careful, you know, he's careful. having he's having one hell of a game against the team that he pretty much owned. And look at L.A. He's going into the playoffs. 
home field against Chicago. Oh, man, the XFL lucked out. Sunday, the 15th of April, it's a rematch of the best game of the regular season. The LA Extreme with a big 33-16 to win to advance to the million-dollar game. You know, you here's 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 where I was this entire entire night. I believe this game happened first, if I'm not mistaken, before the uh, the San Francisco Orlando game, and I, I I wanted to go, but I held out, and the reason was because I had faith that we would be seeing a championship game in Los Angeles, uh, Chicago. Here's the one thing, like I said, unless you were Memphis, LA figured you out. The second time around, and, and with the enforcers, all you had to do was was stop John Avery. That's you'd load up the box and stop their running back, and don't turn the ball over, Tommy. Damn it, take your gloves off, and uh, that's <laughs> and you'd you'd advance. Yeah, and Al Luganville was well, you know, well he could breed players. He knew what to do. He, he he stacked the box like you were saying, and that was it. Chicago had no chance. I think they even got in with. Did they get in with a losing record? Oof. That might not who, be wrong. Uh, you're looking. Oh, no, they at were who? five and five. They were five and five. Chicago the demons was five were and five. five. Yeah, the, so were the demons. Yeah. So um, Orlando was eight and two. Yeah, and you had a, a pretty easy win here for for the extreme. Um, you know, the halftime it was a one score game, uh, and all the way actually to the fourth quarter is not when until they. You know, that's when they broke off. It was pretty. It was one score throughout the fourth quarter, though, but they were stopping John Avery. I'm trying to see how many yards he had this game. And also, shout out to XFLboard.com. They do a gr- they did a great job of chronicling the history of the XFL, and that uh, helped yeah. us out today in doing our LA Extreme research. But, uh, yes, the, the sh- Chicago Enforcers, who lived and died by the running game, uh, had 107 yards rushing, but... Really, they, they you know it wasn't that bad at four over four yards per rush, but they did not effectively in time in t- a timely manner advance the ball on the ground, and they had to play from behind in this game. They did even lead the game in possession. It was the, their kind of game for a little bit, but Tommy Maddox is one of his games, man. He took he took over and got them to the championship game in this one. You know, it's a lot faster to throw the ball than it is to run the ball, and. And, you know, it's not about how many yards you ran. It's about when you ran them and where you were when you ran them. And if you're in the red zone and you can't score touchdowns, you're not going to win too many football games. That's what happened with Chicago. Uh, I, think took over. I think that's the game that got Tommy Maddox an NFL look-see because the other games he, you know, threw a thousand times and threw for a bunch of yards and touchdowns. But in this one, he was super efficient and he didn't throw a whole lot. And he just played not a conservative game, but a very smart game in a, in a very clutch situation. Well, and there's, you know, it's it's a do or die situation as well. If you don't win, you're not playing the next week. You're not making anywhere close to anything of that million dollar prize. So, you know, there's a lot on the line, and pressure is where you find champions. And and Tommy Maddox ended up being one of those champions. And here we go. I have to admit, going into the million dollar game, I knew the LA Extreme would get there the entire time. Never lo- a doubt in my mind as a fan. But I have to admit, I was kind of bummed. We've already seen them face the Demons twice. They did lose to them once, but man, they're so much better than that team. I was hoping Orlando would have pulled it out. They were that would have been more fun, you know, East West. But what a game! Twenty six twenty five. The Demons won, and they upset the Rage to advance to the million dollar game Saturday, April twenty first, two thousand and one, the L A Coliseum, the million dollar championship game. I was there. You were there, Bryant. What do you remember? 
Yeah, I stand corrected. I thought the enforcers and the extreme played before the rage and the demons. But anyway, uh, what do I remember when I was there? I remember the blowout. I remember the excitement. I remember that big ass freaking trophy. Excuse my language. The big trophy uh, <laughs> in the middle of that field when they won. Uh, I remember Tommy's interview afterwards. Everybody's asking him, what is he going to do next? He was going to be back. Well, if the NFL doesn't call, I'll be back. Fan. He was uh, first. And you got to remember this, too. It was L.A.'s first championship since 1988. That was the last time any L.A.-based team had won a championship. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Lakers and Dodgers. Was that the same year? Correct. So they won. They both won that year. And then since then, there had not been a major sports team with a championship. I believe UCLA won a national championship in basketball in like 95 or something like that. That's about it. What's cooler than at the end of this game? Uh, the uh, LA Extreme won 38-6, to by the way. It was hardly a game. Uh, it was really just a test of, to see if Jose Cortez would keep making field goals and if Tommy Maddox could uh, get him. So it, really, it was all the LA Extreme players. It looked like them all were doing NFL tryouts. Solidine McCullough running. He had over 100 yards. Tommy looked great. I was saying after this game, they should all get to the NFL if there's not going to be an XFL, which was already the rumor at the championship game. But what is cooler than, you know, now they have some old player walk through a pile of the winners at the Super Bowl with the Lombardi, right, and they all touch it. Vince McMahon carried this championship himself (laughs) all the way to to the stand and the confetti. High five and fans, not not the players, but high five and the fans, bringing the trophy to Tommy Maddox, Al Luganbill in the LA Extreme. How cool was that? I, again, memories that last a lifetime. I'll remember this as if it was yesterday. Uh, just sitting there watching that trophy being handed out to your team, you know. And and at that moment in time, I didn't know that the XFL wasn't coming back, so I didn't even capture how special that was at that time. But uh, just being there, being in the the presence, the aura of what was the million dollar game, uh, it was it was great. It was the coolest thing, and I and I, I was part of me as an I was an LA Extreme fan, but I was for the XFL at least for the league bummed that it, they just don't. Do you think it was a bad thing that the LA Extreme just kicked so much ass, minus the Memphis Maniacs, of course, but just dominated <laughs> so much? Do you think that hurt the XFL? Uh, I think at the end there was a, there was probably a lot of factors that hurt the XFL towards the end. I, they still had some really good games. You talk about the week before the Orlando Rage and the um, and the Demons. They went I think to the very end one point game at the very end. So there were still it's some good games. The quality of the play. Yeah, it's 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 a bummer. There were good games. You don't don't let people tell you there were no good games in the XFL, but they were few and far between. And I, I don't know. Maybe it would have been great if Vince McMahon at the in. January 25th, when he announced the return, said, in 2020, we're going to have a great lot of great football people, but no Al Luganbill. He was too damn good. He was evaluated <laughs> all the talent, and everybody kicked everybody's ass. No Al Luganbill, who is the Vince Lombardi of the XFL. And I'm hoping that uh, in the new XFL, they call it the Luganbill Trophy. What do you say? <laughs> I'm down. That's, that's a great idea, I think. the Lugan- I want to know what it's going to look like. Where is that trophy today? That's what I really want to know. Who has the XFL trophy right now? Is it like the Stanley Cup where there's only one and it's held by like a like a like a board of governors? Is it sitting somewhere in a warehouse in the LA Extreme Hall of Fame? Where is it? I want my hands on it. Uh, I, I don't know. I get to touch it. God damn it! My team won. Maybe maybe they keep it in the dungeon of doom 
or in the Undertaker's <laughs> funeral parlor. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was sold at at, at Al Luganbill's most recent uh, garage sale. Um, <laughs> There's a big paperweight on his desk now at at his college. What was was it? The trophy just a big ass XFL logo? <laughs> yes, it was just a big X. <laughs> Uh, Not but the you greatest know what? It was great. <laughs> There's a couple things that they can correct by now, and and uh, here, oh, here we go. Here's a picture of it. Let's see who's who's holding this this picture. Uh, is that? No, that is not. Who is that? I don't know who that is. You got to link, link me, and I'll link me, and I'll, link and I'll <laughs> let me describe this to the to the folks <laughs> so this, to the show. <laughs> All right, I'll link you right now. This is Give me this kind link. of funny. We're gonna describe exactly what this. Which one am I? Okay, it looks like. Oh, who is this bozo? Is that Al Luganbill? Is that him? It says J.K. McKay. I don't know. Oh, what is that thing J.K. McKay? <laughs> now you want to know about okay. J.K. McKay? Tell I'm me. I'm gonna confirm. But J.K. Oh, the McKay, award. Hold on, hold on. The award sits near McKay's Rose Bowl MVP trophy. Was he an array he of play- championship rings? Well, J.K. McKay played for the for USC. He is now. The director of football operations for the Alliance of American Football. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. No. This is real. Oh man, no way. Oh man. But today, the NFL's only championship resides in the living room of J.K. McKay's home in the Pacific Palisades district of Los Angeles. That is where it resides today. This is as of 2011, though. So, so what are you th- what are you thinking now about the AAF? They're they're the head of football operations for the AAF is that was the GM of the LA Extreme. It all comes back around. It's all I mean, we could, if you we sh- we need to spend another episode on uh, conspiracies between the AAF and the XFL because I was reading some other things today about uh, the players' proximity to the teams and making sure that everything stays straight. That was the XFL's policy in 2001 and. It's AAF's policy this year, so yeah, there's a lot of too many similarities. I don't know. We'll have to do another episode. We'll have to ah. because that is some damning evidence and that could really support you conspiracy theorists. The GM of the LA Extreme, the champions that we chronicled today, what a ride it was, what a season, what a team, the greatest team in XFL history. Uh, their GM is now the head of football operations for the Alliance of American Football. Wow. We'll have to examine that later on, though. Next week, we have our very first guest ever, and it's going to be the first guy who broke the news about the return of the XFL. His name is Brad Shepard. He's a freelance journalist, and he had the scoop before anybody else did last December saying that, hey, Vince McMahon's going to be announcing something here soon regarding the return of the XFL. We're going to talk to him about not exactly how he got his information, just the process in which he went through and what it was like, and also any other scoops he might have. We'll try to dig out of him. But Brad Shepard, who broke the news about the return of the XFL, will join us next week on This is the XFL Show. Remember, you could keep the conversation going. We are every single week. The show drops every Sunday, but we're always interactive on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at XFL Show. 
And we have many, 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 many more great shows coming your way. We will feature Tommy Maddox one show. We're going to have to talk more conspiracies. We're riding this thing, man, all the way to 2020 and beyond. So join us. Tell your friends. Give us a subscribe on whatever podcatcher you use. And please leave a five-star review to help us out so that we get more visible to all the football fans out there and XFL fans who maybe haven't found us just yet. Bryant. Hell of a hell of a time reliving that magical season for with the LA Extreme with you today, man. That was that was a walk down memory lane if there ever was one. I am glad I brought this box of tissues, man, because it, it brought down my eyes. My eyes got a little watery remembering all these great memories, and I'm happy we did it. And real quick, if you guys have any questions for Mister Shepard, uh, send it to him. Also, send it to us on Twitter. We'll be happy to ask him. They're not that yeah. bad. Twitter, at XFL Show. If you have questions for our guest Brad Shepard next week, the journalist who broke the news about the return of the XFL show drops every Sunday. So we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening. For Bryant, I'm Alan. This is the XFL Show.